For the last 22 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist, and I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is Share the Knowledge. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. One, two, one, two, it's your boy DJ TLM and welcome to episode 49 of the Share the Knowledge podcast. This is my educational podcast for DJs. This is where I talk about anything and everything DJ related and I share my 25 plus years of experience as a DJ. Now, as usual, I already dropped a post on IG a couple hours ago asking you for questions for this episode. I saw some dope questions, but I have to start off by commending you the people in the comment section for actually joining my share the knowledge movement because this is exactly what I wanted. I saw questions, questions that I'll use here on the podcast today, but I also saw a lot of people responding to each other and already helping each other out. So people were asking for certain specific um, things and I saw people answer and try to help them and share their experience and that's what it's all about i might answer that same question on the podcast but who knows maybe i don't have the answer or you have a better answer so it's always good if you see anything in a comment section not just mine but just anywhere and you feel you can add some value go ahead and do it all right uh, i want to get straight into the questions right now different genre of djs how is a celebrity DJ different than a club DJ? It seems like a DJ who performs at the boiler room has his own set of music that appeals to his or her own taste, like an artist, but someone having a gig at a club is providing a service and has to have music that everyone likes. Do you only take gigs that excite you, or since this is still technically a career, take anything that comes your way? Now, I absolutely love this question, and I know a lot of DJs will answer this question in their own specific way that really applies to them. For me, this is all about following your passion. The reason why I fell in love with DJing is because I loved everything about it, especially when I was just starting out at home, to be able to play with music, manipulate music. When I got to do my first mix, hear two tracks play together, I had acapella and an instrumental, and I was able to make it work. That was magic to me. So that's where I fell in love. And when I found out how to scratch and I started to practice that and get better over time, I got more and more excited. And once I started to play in front of people and I got to share that passion by playing what I like to play and having an audience that actually likes it. Now, keep in mind, when I say that, that I play what I want to play, it doesn't mean that I don't take the crowd into consideration. No, they are the most important thing that my most important focus is rocking that crowd. But I'll rock them with music that I like. So in my case, I don't take any gig that's being offered. For some DJs, that's totally different because they have a different approach. I do see it as a business, but that actually came later. It started for me as a passion, and I'm a creative person. I could put some creativity in DJing, and of course, later on, I found out that I do have to treat it like a business if this is something I want to do full-time. So if you only play one specific subgenre, and there's only like 10 people in the country that like that, then it's really hard to have a career just playing that. But even then, nowadays, with the internet, 
you have the ability to try and find people, other people than the 10 people in your own town that actually like your style and you might still be able to build a fan base online. But for me, I only take gigs and especially now, now after all the years of playing, but I've always been like this, but I had to learn the hard way. I only take gigs that I like. There was a time that I thought any gig was good until you do certain gigs that really demand something from you that you don't want to give. So, for instance, playing a lot of music that you don't like to play. I had to do a couple of gigs, and when I was there, I found out that they wanted to hear all sorts of music that I don't even have. So that's not working for me because even if I could get my hands on that music, I hated the music they wanted to hear, and I found out pretty quick that that was going to make me really unhappy. If I pick a career, I'm following my passion. If I don't do that, then DJing could just be any other job that a lot of people have that they don't really like. You have a lot of people in life who have their 9 to 5 and they hate it. They can't wait for the weekend to begin and they hate when Monday comes around because they have to go back to their job. When you do something you love, like I have with DJing, there's no day off. You always want to play. But... Play, for me personally, play gigs that I want to play. Um, let me look at that question one more time because the question really was difference of genre of DJ, like the difference between a celebrity DJ and a club DJ. Celebrity DJs are basically that. They're celebrities, so they have a fan base, so they attract people. And at a certain point, promoters found out that it could be lucrative to have celebrities come to your party as a DJ, and that would attract a lot of people. But in a lot of cases, those celebrities were not DJs and they couldn't really play. So you have a lot of celebrities that take DJ gigs, but can't really DJ. You do have a couple of celebrities that actually can DJ. So once when you catch one of those celebrities play, it could actually still be a lot of fun. But in most cases, they're celebrities who come to DJ, and that's the main difference between them and an actual DJ. Then you talk about People who perform at Boiler Room look like people who get to do their own set and only have people there that appeal to that specific person. That's probably true in a lot of cases. And not just the Boiler Room. You have a lot of these large house artists, for instance. They produce a lot of music or they release a lot of music and they build a large fan base that likes their music. So at their show, they can play a lot of their own stuff, but people really come to hear their sound. If you're playing in a regular club on a regular club night, a lot of times they will have a lot of different people in there and they just want to hear hits. So they're not coming for the specific DJ. They just come to drink, see girls and guys and maybe dance a little, but it's not really about the DJ in most cases. Now, I play a lot of club gigs, but I make sure I only do club gigs where the theme is based on music I like. So that's why I don't do a lot of gigs right now here because a lot of times the music that is expected is not music that I want to play. So I'm not going to do those gigs. And that's me. Like I said, for other DJs, this is going to be different. But I think that's the main difference between uh, the types of DJs you're talking about. For me, it's all about following that passion. That's why I continue to do what I do.
So while I'm on the subject of passion, I want to talk about this as well. This was a question I received in the DM. And the question is, maybe a couple of days ago, I saw DJ Angelo's Insta story, and he had like every genre of music on vinyl, from hip-hop to trance. Back in the days, was it necessary for a DJ to have everything in their crates? And what are your thoughts about that? Should one DJ be famous just for one genre, like hip-hop, or everything? To me, it's all about following your passion. I got into DJing through hip-hop. That is my main pillar, my foundation, hip-hop. Turntablism, hip-hop. That's where it comes from for me. Now, I like a lot more music than just hip-hop. So for me, when I play, I play hip-hop, I play R&B, I like soul, funk, I like dancehall, I like uh, some sorts of house, I like like UK garage stuff, I like some electro. Um, there's more. There's more. I like a, a lot more music, but for me, the main thing is definitely hip-hop, hip-hop, R&B. That's where it started. So you have to find out what it is for you. So let's just, for instance, let, let's take me as an example. Let's just say I did not like any other genre and I only liked hip-hop. Then that's what I would do. And over the years, I've had people come up to me and tell me, yo, you need to start playing this and that because then you can get more gigs. And they were talking about types of music that I do not like. For me, again, this is all about passion. I'm going to kill my passion if I start to play all sorts of tracks that I don't like. I chose this because this is what I love and I'm not going to kill that passion just to get more gigs. I didn't start this for the gigs. Now, of course... At a certain point, you do have to become a little more business about this and treat yourself as the brand and DJing is your business. But I found different ways because I still only play the gigs I want to play, the type of music I want to play. So I don't get the same amount of gigs as some other DJs. But I found other ways that I can still use my experience and skills to do the things I love. So for instance, DJ TLM TV and this podcast, this is all about the things I love. I get to share my passion and experience and I'd rather do this than do a gig that I don't like because I have to play stuff I don't like. And my channel has brought new opportunities to me anyway because I'm doing content for other companies as well and that is now part of the business. So I follow my passion. If you only like one genre, you can stick to that genre. Just keep in mind that you will get less gigs if you only do that one genre. People who play all sorts of music most likely will get more gigs. So you have to find out what feels right for you. If there are certain genres out there that you don't really care for, but you don't hate them either, and you know that if you add them to your repertoire, you can do more gigs, maybe that's a good thing. As long as you know, if you feel that it's not killing your passion. I did a couple of gigs where I was playing tracks that I just really didn't like, company gigs. And I was like, oh, let me do it. The money was great. And once I did the gig, and once I finished the gig, it just felt so wrong. And that was the first time that after a gig, I didn't feel good. And that feeling really scared me. I was like, yo, I just did a DJ gig and I didn't like it. That was a shock to me. So I did not want to have that feeling again. So for me, passion all the way. Find out what works for you, what you like to do, and do that. The next question is, how do you remember the record names? So let's say you play a record, 
You have an idea what to mix it in, but you can't find it because you don't remember the name. Should you make a playlist so it's always together? Learning the names of titles of tracks and artists is something that comes with time. So if you have a couple of brand new tracks, the first couple of times you might not really remember the name, but once you start to play more often, you see the name more often, it should stick. My collection grew over time and I learned about new artists and you find new songs, titles that you didn't know before. And after I played them a couple of times, if it was a dope record, it would stick. And after a while you start to remember. Nowadays it's a little more difficult because a lot of you are playing digitally. So you bring a large collection and a lot of you get that collection in a relatively short time because you either download a bunch or you get a collection from someone else because I know a lot of you are sharing stuff as well or you join a DJ pool and you just get everything that they have in their archives that means that you get a large collection at once when I started to buy music I bought a couple of pieces of vinyl every week that way you get to learn your new records. If I buy 10 new records on a Saturday and the next week I buy 10 more, I'll play those 10 records during the week at home, at a couple of parties, uh, find exactly which ones I like more than the others. And it sticks because 10 a week, that's, that's doable. 1,000 in a week and 1,000 in the next week that's not going to work. You're not going to remember all of those tracks. But once you find the ones you like and you play them a couple of times, it should stick. So that comes with time. Then we have a technical question. I just went to my first DJ mix-off. Disaster struck when I touched play button and the music came on so loud I lost time and points. My question is, is there a way to know how loud I'm going to play? And the second question is, have you ever been in a situation at a club where another DJ had control of master volume? I think this had something to do with my levels being way off. I had to turn the master almost all the way down and still sounded distorted. I even turned my gains down. Finally, I hear 30 seconds and my spot is blown. Tough first time. Any suggestions? All right, I have a couple. Yes, you should be able to see how loud you're playing. Now, not exactly how loud it's gonna sound in the room because you only control the sound that's coming out of your system. But normally, especially in a club, the sound from your mixer or controller, your DJ set, is going from there into the PA system and that's controlled by an engineer. So you only control the first part, but it is up to you to make sure that you're sending a clean signal to the PA system. Now. If you're telling me that you had to turn your master all the way down and it still sounded distorted, that means that your channel volume was probably way too loud. If you have the gain on your channel open too far and it starts to clip, then you can't save that with the master anymore. If it's already being distorted at that level, the master volume can help you there. Either that's the, the case right there, so your gain was too loud, or there was actually a technical issue that made your sound come out wrong. But normally, if you look at your meters, your VU meters, you see the reds and greens. If it's in green, that means that you have, you have a clean signal. It's not clipping. So that shouldn't be too loud. You can check on your headphones. And on a lot of mixes, you can cue the master and hear how that sounds. So you can hear the sound that's playing through the speaker at that time. That's another channel, not your channel probably, but you can still see how that's looking on the meter and hear how that sounds. 
if that's coming from one channel, then your channel should be the same. Now, I don't know how the situation was. Maybe there were a couple of different sets. You had your set and there was another set, but normally you're the one in control of your master, or you have to have several sets on stage that are all connected to one mixer. But then again, you still have to have clean signal coming out of your mixer, going into that other mixer. Um, it starts with the gain on your channel, then it is the master, and you have to check your levels. That's where it begins. Now, what I normally do when I start to play, and I haven't heard the sound from my system yet, because I just come into a club and the night has already started, so I don't have time for an actual sound check. If you have time for a sound check, it's a different situation. But when I come in for a club show, there's another DJ playing. I go on next. The DJ is playing on the CDJ set. I have turntable set up, so I'm going to play, and I'm the first one playing on that set. I, if I check my sound, I'll just do a quick quick scratch, like a quick zigga zigga, just to hear. So I ask if my volume is on, I ask the engineer, make sure you stay in contact with that engineer. You wanna make sure that he checks or she checks your uh, monitor speakers, stuff like that. And then I just check to see if I have sound. And if I do a quick zigga zigga, and that's way too loud, then I'm warned right there. I know, okay, I have to look and see what I have to change. Or if I don't hear enough, but my levels are already in the right position, I have to ask the engineer, can you turn me up? Because the last thing you wanna do is take your channel volume up too far because that's where that signal comes from. You wanna keep that clean. You wanna have your master right, but you wanna have your channel right, and if it's not enough volume, you want that engineer to fix that. So there are ways to check. In your case, I can't judge. It could be a technical issue, or you had your levels just way too high. Is it still worth to go full out like CDJ2000 set versus controllers? So should you invest all that money in getting like a CDJ2000, Nexus 2000 type of setup? I don't know. If that is what you really want to have, like the club standard in a lot of clubs now is two CDJ 2000 Nexus 2 and a DJM 900 Nexus 2, or they have the DJM 2000 or whatever it's called, the big one, the UFO looking thing. But if that is what you want, if you want to replicate what's happening in the club, you can buy that, but it's definitely not necessary. There's plenty of other devices out there that are perfect for you to use, not just at home, but also for performances. So you have cheaper options than the CDJ2000s. And if you're talking about controllers, you have so many options when it comes to controllers. Uh, I have a controller, if you're watching the video clip, I have a controller right here. This is the DDJ1000, for instance, one of the newer controllers, a Rekordbox DJ controller. This is a nice size, it's a professional device Perfect for home situations, perfect for gigs as well. Uh, I don't know, this is a lot cheaper than getting like two CDJ2000s and, and uh, a DJM900. That's a lot of money. So it all depends. If you're gonna be using that, taking that stuff on the road, and you wanna have that great professional performance set, you wanna have the CDJs, if it's something you really want and you feel you wanna invest that much money, go for it, but you have a lot of different options that can really get the job done as well. For the modern day DJ, producer or musician, it's more important than ever to make sure you have an online presence. And having your own website is key. Bazoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. You can choose from hundreds of mobile friendly themes and then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Bazoogle's easy visual editor. Now, all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, and integration to pull in content 
content from all your online services, including Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I use Banzoogle to create the Share the Knowledge podcast website, and that was very easy. Banzoogle plans start at just $8.29 a month and include your own free custom domain name. Now, if you want to try it out for free for 30 days, click on the link in the description box down below and be sure to use the promo code SHARE to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Okay, I like this one. The question is, what are your thoughts on performing turntable body tricks in a club set? Do you think it's okay to do it in some parts of your set, or do you think maybe towards the end of your set, maybe throw in one or two tricks um, like that? Here's the thing. When you get deep into turntablism, you do it as a showcase. You want people to look. You don't want people to dance and not look at what you're doing. You're showcasing something right there, especially when you're doing body tricks. Body tricks are really all about the visual. So you want people to look. So if you're doing that in a club setting and you start to do something like that, that's going to stop the crowd from dancing and they're going to watch you. If you're going to do that in the middle of your set, it could work if you have a crowd that really likes that sort of stuff, but if you're not sure about that, it's probably better to use that at the beginning of your set to really like catch their attention, like, yo, this is something totally different than the last DJ. Or if you had a good time and you want to end it with a bang, then maybe it's cool to do it at the end. But in the middle of your set, if this is a normal club night, this is not some special b-boy hip-hop turntablism night where people are expecting that type of stuff, but if it's a normal club gig, what I normally do, if I do a club gig and I want to do something extra, I might do it at the beginning do like a little special scratch thing just to get their attention. Then I just start with some bangers. Or I could do it like at the end and do something special there. To me, that's the perfect place to do it. And then you have them dancing during your entire set, but you hit them with a bang at the beginning or you ended it with a bang. So beginning or end is probably the best. So let's travel in time for a second because I know I had a question here and that question was what do you think about DJ equipment so media players turntables controllers in the next 10 years I think we're seeing a lot of what's happening already because in the last 10 years we've seen how it evolved maybe last 15 years how we went from all DJs having turntables to using media players like the CDJ and then DVS timecode came out and now a lot of DJs are using timecode or they're using a controller or they're using a media player and some are still using real vinyl with turntables. Now with the last couple of uh, additions to that, you have phase coming out now, which is gonna allow people to use turntables without using the tone arm and needle. And I can see that slowly but surely we'll be stepping away from having tone arms and needles, but that's gonna take some time and that's just for us, the DJs. So if you're a consumer and you're collecting vinyl, you're always gonna have a turntable and needles. They're gonna be there. As long as vinyl is being produced for for collectors you're gonna have turntables and needles so that's not going away it's probably just gonna get a lot smaller become even more niche than it is now but before performing DJs I can see needles like disappearing and you're gonna have like a couple of DJs who make that their actual trademark that they still bring a turntable with a needle so they're stacking up on needles right now probably but for most of us it will probably be some sort of controller most likely standalone so you're not using a computer anymore because the computer is probably going to be incorporated into the device there's going to be moving platters for the people who want the moving platters but that's 
as far as I can see, go now. Of course, we can start to think beyond that, that you're not bringing your music collection anymore. Everything's in the cloud. You just walk into a uh, club, you log in on the DJ device, and then you get access to your own files, and you can do it from there. Stuff like that's probably possible, um, but I don't know if they're going to go that fast because you see how the DJ industry works. They're adding new stuff, but they do it slowly. They don't want to kill their own market because they have a lot of controllers out now. And if they do something totally new, that's maybe more innovative, they're not going to sell any of those old controllers. So slowly but surely things happen, but that's why you need that competition because you, if you only have one brand and they can really take their time. But now if you have phase coming out, that might trigger other manufacturers to look at that like, hmm, okay, wireless DVS, maybe we have to find something like that. You had Numark's NS7 and V7. Now Rain has their 12. Maybe other companies will take a second look at that moving platter on a controller or on a media player. Who knows? Maybe Pioneer will come out with a CDJ-like device that has a moving platter. We'll see what happens, but those kind of developments I can see happening. Uh, anything beyond that, I, I mean, a lot is possible. You could even think about, I don't know if that's in 10 years, but like a VR situation where you have a DJ that's actually just at home with goggles on and headphones on, and he can see a club, maybe it's a virtual club, and he plays for that club, and the entire crowd is at home as well. It sounds boring as hell to me, but I'm sure someone's going to invent that and show it. It might not catch on. I hope that doesn't catch on. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me, but there's all sorts of things that are possible. And then for all the the, the, the skeptics out there who feel that like technology is going to take us over, we might end up with AI that's smart enough that a computer will do the DJing for the DJs because it can now read the crowd, scan the crowd, visually read heartbeats and whatever, and uh, um pick the perfect song to get the perfect reaction through algorithms. Now I'm getting technical, but it is possible. But for now, I see that happening slowly. So for the next 10, 20 years, we're still DJing the way we DJ. The equipment will slowly evolve. And uh, I don't know, I look forward to some of the tech and some other stuff will not be for me. I can tell that now. So while we're at it, let me know in the comments section, what do you think the next step in DJ technology will be? What's going to be like the next big invention if we take Phase, for instance, now as the real game changer from the last uh, uh, couple of years? Because let's be honest, the Rain 12 is not a game changer. That's not new. We had controllers with moving platters already. This one is just 12 inches. But Phase, that is something new. So what do you see happening in the next 10 years that's going to be totally different? That's going to be like a game changer. Let me know in the comment section down below. So next up, I have a question about cassettes. And the question is, I'm 32 years old and I've been DJing for 18 years. TLM, did you ever record a song you liked from the radio when you were younger using a cassette recorder? Just saying, I used to. In Puerto Rico, we never got new technology right away. They might still use Walkmans. <laughs> oh, I recorded stuff from the radio all the time. I still have like two bags full of cassettes from back in the days. And some of those cassettes were like from the late 80s and my mom used to do this for me because we had like a mix show that came on way after midnight so it was way past my bedtime she would make sure she hit record for me and 
that was like a hip hop mix show. So I would listen to a lot of radio stuff like that. I mean, we did not have TV shows with hip hop over here until Yo came on and recording stuff from the radio was your best way to get music if you didn't have a lot of money. I knew a couple of cats who had enough money to buy the new albums, but for most of us, we can go out and buy all the albums. So tapes were the way to go. Sometimes you would give people tapes and they would record stuff for you. And the radio was a great place to go as well. Now, a little bit later on, we had a weekly radio show over here. The Dutch Masters had it, it was called Villa 65. Later on, it became Dutch Masters. And that was like the number one hip hop show in the country for years. We used to record that on tape every week. Sometimes I was at the show, got to see it live, but I would have that cassette in there every week. And that would be my playlist, my soundtrack for the week at school. Using my Walkman, listening to the radio show over and over because they had the newest hip hop. So, um, yeah, of course we did that over here. And for me, it went beyond that. I used to do pause button skits as well, where I had my first turntables and I wanted to record a piece that I had, a piece of beat from one. And I wanted to repeat that. And the only way I could do that, because I didn't have like a multi-track recorder, was put the, rec uh, put the cassette deck on record and pause get that vinyl ready, press pause, let that vinyl go, press pause at the end of it, get that record back to the beginning, and I would practice until I got that pause timing right exactly, and then I would hit pause again, let it go again, so I'll create my own loop by recording the same short piece from vinyl over and over, and when you, when you got your feeling going with that cassette player, you could get that flow right so it would actually sound like a loop, but cassettes were the way to go, of course, that's where it all began, um, for me as well with music. So yes, and I still have my Walkman. I still have the one I used back in the days, and I still and I bought one later years on when I found one in the store. The Sony DD Quartz, one of the best Walkmans there was, and I actually still used it last year when Jay Z uh, dropped his new album. He dropped it on cassette as well. I got that cassette and I walked around with my Walkman playing Jay Z's new album on cassette. That felt great. All right, I have to be honest, I have so many questions, so many good questions in here. I'm going to have to chop this in half, and I'm going to have to record a second podcast. Now, maybe I'm not going to wait till next week, and I might just record an extra episode later in the week because I want to get to all of these questions. So I want to thank everyone for sending their questions. And if you want to send me a question for the next episode, make sure you check me out on IG or on Facebook. I have a Share the Knowledge Facebook group. You can find a link in the description box down below. You can check me on Instagram as well. Send me a DM or just leave a comment, leave the hashtag Share the Knowledge so I can get it there. Uh, make sure you check me out on YouTube, DJ TLM TV for all the video content and also clips from the podcast. And I have the new episode on every Monday on iTunes, Anchor, and SoundCloud. Make sure you share the videos when you watch them. Share the podcast as well. Spread the word. Share the knowledge. Uh, again, thanks for all of the questions. I can't make this show without you. I mean, I have things to talk about, but it's so much better for me to hear what you want to hear, and then I can help you even more. So until next time, this was episode 49 of the Share the Knowledge podcast. I'm DJ TLM. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you next time.